0: I used to date someone whose bedspread was a king-size comforter that looked like the Texas flag, okay? This is not fiction, it's real life, and I am owed emotional damages.
1: welcome to can't let it go the show about the things stuck in our heads my name is matt and i use he him pronouns
0: i'm ac i use they them pronouns
1: and today we are finally going to talk about barbie
0: the barbie
1: movie (laughs) which i believe that ac and i both watched today again
0: i did yes i watched it just just a few hours ago
1: uh but first ac tell me about this nugget you've got for me today
0: Okay, so, you know, last week we did this whole, ep- or last time we did this whole episode about, you know, free to play games. And I talked about how I don't really spend money on games. Mm-hmm. And then, pretty much immediately, like within <laughs> two days, the game gubbins, um, ca- I- and I said, I'm going to say finally, uh-huh. uh, a cell phone game. That cell phone, I'm f- so fucking old. <laughs> An app-based game. <laughs> Fuck. A mobile game. Uh, a mobile game. God damn it. Uh, a mobile game uh, that's like a word game. I heard about it because Hank Green is a mm-hmm. He invested into the
1: invested to in get a, 10%. Yeah. yeah. I say he invested to donate 10% of their correct. revenue yeah, to partners correct Yeah, their revenue, revenue to, pr- yeah, yeah, yeah. He and John don't really do profit.
0: yeah. Anyway, I started playing it and um, almost immediately purchased the $5 version, which is, like, unlimited plays Mm -hmm. of their classic and pencil style of the game. Um, There is other paywalled stuff, like aesthetic stuff and Mm -hmm. skins and things like that, that I have not explored at all. I'm not interested in that. But as I said in the the game episode... I will pay $5 to be able to play this game as much as I want. Right. Um, you, so. you basically
1: did the pay up front thing, right? Like yeah. It's, that yeah. game you can play for free, but it's like once a day. But yeah, it's a, yep. it's a really cool little game. I've played a little bit of it. I don't know that I enjoy it as much as I enjoy other games in that style, but it is... I mean, the art direction in that game is absolutely incredible yeah. as well.
0: I dig I dig the art, really, like, really, really dig the art. And then I, um, I just love word games. Mm-hmm. And I like that there's no, like, levels or anything like mm-hmm. that, that it's just kind of the same game over and over again. You're only ever playing it against your own high score.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I am, like, have been falling just short, like, 200 points short of my high score over and over mm-hmm. again for the last few days. And I'm like curse you but i like it because it's like skill and luck it's fun check it out if you like um word games on your phone
1: yeah i'll say the name is they've gubbins you can like get bad and good gubbins in the game that kind of modify yeah. the board state a little yeah. bit It was just it's a fun little thing i have a nugget and it's mostly because like i think that there is probably a full podcast episode that i could do on this thing mm-hmm. but uh i don't need to do that because i've been <laughs> listening to a podcast about it and that's how i got into it um <laughs> Uh, are you aware, if I say the name Gita Jackson, do you know who I'm talking about? No. They're a writer. Um, often when there's like a new Twitter clone that pops up, they're like the first person that is the person I see all over my feed. Um, XOXO oh, Gossip Gita. Uh-huh.
0: XOXO Gossip Gita. I yeah. do know. I do yeah. know that. Okay. Yes. I do know who they are. Yeah.
1: they. I know them originally from games writing. Got it. Yeah. And uh, they wrote this really great piece about Spider-Man Miles Morales and uh, basically a that video game effectively being propaganda, which seems to have influenced Spider-Man Two in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they and some other folks that they've worked with in the past started up a new um, games. I don't know if it's a critique or or news site exclusively. It does both of those, but it's basically just mm-hmm. a, a site for games writing, M- much like a lot of other journalists have done in the last few years, starting up their own place to get away from like the hellscape of uh, being a journalist uh, in the sort of ad based market, yeah, and the site's called Aftermath, um, and uh, they have this podcast called Fifty Two Pickup, okay, which is a read through of the DC comic series Fifty Two, mm. which is not new Fifty Two, mm. is the original Fifty Two, which was a weekly series of books that took place after the infinite crisis series in dc which was like a board reset basically Mm -hmm. and the immediate follow-up to that which was one year later which they just started releasing after infinite crisis came out um and 52 was meant to fill the gap and i don't know you listen to them talk about it they do a much better job like even explaining what it is than i am but it's basically a way for dc to uh, show some of its less popular heroes to people but There's people in there that like you might know their names now because they were in '52. If you know the name Booster Gold, yes, um, you probably know him from like the Justice League, uh, I believe it was Unlimited cartoon, I think that's right. That yeah, he was featured in, yeah, those
0: are like my favorite Justice League, Justice League, and Justice yeah. League Unlimited. I, I stand
1: great shows. He kind of came to prominence because of the series. Um, Gita's uh, idea is that the reason that the rock wanted to play black Adam is because of 52 because black Adam was like kind of unpopular and not many people knew who he was before that. Uh, but he's a prominent character in 52. I say, I've been reading it. I, they are on, they, they did an episode zero. I started reading before episode one Mm -hmm. and I have finished it before episode two. (laughs) It is. It's an every other week thing where they go through a single issue. So I've got two years.
0: Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Of a podcast Content. to listen to everything I just finished reading. <laughs> Hey, that's perfect.
1: Yeah. Uh, but uh, Alex Jaffe, the other host, oh, um, yeah. who also does, insert credit, um, has been really active on Blue Sky, basically being like, hey, ask me like what kind of stuff you want to read in DC Comics. I'll recommend you something. So, one, I told him I wanted to read some uh, Bat Family stuff, and he recommended me uh, Wayne Family Adventures, which mm. is a webtoon. Interesting. And that was so adorable yeah I loved it (laughs) Um, and like now it's a thing that I'm reading weekly when it comes out fun also when I told him I was like hey are you only releasing an episode every two weeks because I might be finished soon he was like oh hell yeah just tell me what else you want I got more um so I I told him a character that I was interested in in 52 and he recommended me more books that she was in. (laughs) amazing um yeah so you should go listen to 52 pickup if that sounds interesting hell yeah hell yeah well well let's get into Barbie wow The long-awaited episode about Barbie.
0: The long-awaited by AC and Matt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will say that today I was taking my own notes, and um, I went to peek at yours because I created, like, a page within a page in our documents. And you highlighted in the movie almost the exact set of things that I, I did. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, man, I really am focusing on some, like, bullshit that, like, doesn't really matter. And I was like, oh, no, AC also was focusing <laughs> on the same bullshit. <laughs> the same bullshit. You know what? That is
0: the most classic us thing.
1: So the, the reason that that we're doing this is because you said on the Internet Greta Gerwig yeah. made this movie for you.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, my that was my immediate take. Like, I f- finished watching the movie, and I was like, wow, this movie was made exactly for me. Like it contained references to many, many things that I personally only find funny. Like, or I assume (laughs) I only find funny. I guess maybe many other people also find it funny because it was in a movie, you know? But, like, exactly my sense of humor, exactly my references, exactly my taste. And, like, maybe not exactly my politics or exactly Mm -hmm. like the way that I approach culture and nuance, but Mm -hmm. um, in many ways checked all of the boxes for me. So, I mean, if the question is how did I experience it on watching it Mm -hmm. again, right, compared to that experience, I still think all of that is true. I do think it lost a little bit of the, like, magic for me of seeing it in theaters Mm -hmm. and like having that first movie watching experience um i wasn't as enamored uh as i was with like just the joy of the experience the first go around i found it easier to like sit in my critiques Mm -hmm. than to like sit in the in the fun of it and i think i even wrote in a note at one point like Oh, my God, I when I start to, like, really dig deep into trying to, like, analyze this movie, the number one thing that I do to myself is say, stop it, because <laughs> because at some point it's like it's actually it don't it's more fun if you don't think about it. Right. And like, yeah, there is a critique to be had for that approach to media. Right. Like, uh-huh. but like what I'm trying to dissect in that moment for myself is usually like, uh, of all of the things that I understand with how weird this movie is, or the weird little moments, or the the ways that mm-hmm. it was just like, except this premise—it's the real world, except there's this fantastical Barbie right. land that's attached <laughs> to it. Right? Is like Will Ferrell's character, and like, right. what what is he? How is he? What is he's yeah. the CEO of Barbie, but he's like a caricature. He's not a real person, but he is a real person, and like. Trying to think about, like, oh, like, let's get deep and, like, let's think about, like, what role does he play? What is the commentary? And I was like, actually, just fucking forget it. It's just weird. <laughs> it's just funny. Right. Like, yeah. and so there's some of that, like, happening for me on my second rewatch. Cause, like I said, it does feel a lot easier to, like, settle into the criticism this go around.
1: Yeah. I will say, I had, I had. A similar experience and really leaned into it, taking my notes. So oh, rather well. than saying saying no, I'm going to ignore it. So <laughs> I, again, as as always, like me having criticisms about it doesn't mean I don't like this movie oh, for I, sure. No, like, like Jonathan and I saw it in theaters and were just like screaming, laughing, and there were several moments that I had forgotten about today when yeah. I was watching it and was like, oh my god! But like the highest level, my biggest takeaway watching it this time was for a movie that sets out to have a message about feminism and women generally and and society. It is a movie that is devoid of any conversations around uh, or more complex conversations around gender Mm -hmm. and race and sexuality. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And watching it this time, I was like, okay, but like if you spend 10 seconds of more thought on the thing that just happened in this movie... I'm asking questions. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I remember leaving the movie thinking, like, uh, Alan felt like the butt of a joke a lot of the time. Yeah. And the movie didn't really explore that because it wanted to do the thing that you're saying. It wanted to, like, just, like, yeah. be happy, fun times and, and, like, also have clearly have things to say that it's, like, not being very subtle about. Right? right. I was like, okay, so in that world, if I just accept it for what it was, why were we, I don't know, like panning to alan when like ken's taking his shirt off or something mm-hmm. like that right like yeah i don't I don't know just like there's like little that's the that's the most the clearest example of the thing that i'm talking about yeah. but then you also have like president barbie right and it's it's a ray right yeah and yeah. it's like yeah sure the the movie is is not it doesn't need, this is actually one thing it doesn't say out, well i guess it does say a loud at one point that they have a, a black woman president right yeah also at the same time None of that is ever commented on, right? Mm. You have a trans Barbie, you have a, a Barbie that is bigger than the rest of them, yeah. right? You have Barbies of all different kinds of skin colors, and the movie, the way it handles that, is just to almost say nothing about it, right? right? For that to just see, be sort of a background thing. Anyway, I'm, I won't go. I'm not going to spoil all of the feelings right now, but yeah,
0: yeah, and I think like to some degree, like that is also. Uh, More than anything, like I think like one of the first places that we see like the stamp of Mattel on this movie, Mm -hmm. not like literally in terms of like the brand imprint, but like it is a movie that is about a brand and that had to be greenlit by that brand. And so I think like there are some specific things that are like. No, it doesn't actually do anything to like really challenge or push the envelope around conversations about gender. It does not do anything to push the envelope on conversations about race. It doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything to push the envelope about the conversations of intersectionality, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. not talking about America Ferreira's character only being the secretary at this high powered Mm -hmm. company, right? We are, we are very firm in the. Ordinary women can do good things to territory, right? And, right. like, in that way, on this rewatch for me, one of the things that really stuck out to me was this is not a movie about Barbie. This is a Greta Gerwig movie. And so like and and I don't mean that in a like in any way other than, you know, in this Vanity Fair interview that that Gerwig did, she talks about how she really like admires like Christopher Nolan as an auteur, right? And like mm-hmm. the juxtaposition of Oppenheimer with her movie and like how she felt about it. She was like it's kind of fun like it's like at a film festival, you know, you're watching all these films back to back or whatever. And you know, she she complements Nolan's like presence or like the way that he approaches movies as just having this strong p- point of view. But like, that's also true about her movies, Greta Gerwig's mm-hmm. movies. Like I was really, really struck in this movie about how Barbie is so much like Greta Gerwig's other main characters is mm-hmm. Joe March is, um, you know, Ladybird, is Frances Ha, right. Mm-hmm. All of these women are, are having stories told about them about like the unbearable burden of responsibility and like the giving up that happens before perseverance. Like, I think I said it in another way in my notes. Let me see what I wrote down. I wrote down something smart. I think (laughs)
2: let's
0: see. What did I say? Oh yes. A woman who has been burdened with responsibility. She doesn't want choosing surrender before choosing perseverance. And I think that that is, like, just classic Gerwig, right? Mm-hmm. That these are the women at the center of her films. They are choosing surrender. They are making a bad choice. They are making a mistake. They are throwing it all away. They are saying, it would be easier if I just let go. Um, or, like, they are somehow burdened by responsibility they don't want to have. Um, and for, like, Francis ha- and Frances Ha, the responsibility is just, like... Growing up, right? It's not mm-hmm. anything other than, like, this challenge of, like, your friends are moving up and moving on without you, and what do you do, right? In Lady Bird, the responsibility that she's burdened with is managing her relationship with her mother, right? She doesn't mm-hmm. want the weight of this relationship. Joe March doesn't want the responsibility of caring for her family. She wants to be an independent person, right? Like, all of her—Barbie— ma- doesn't want to be stereotypical Barbie anymore at some point, right? Um, She doesn't know what she is. And she, like, I I think this struck me the most in the moment where she, like, you know, does the iconic, like, I quit. Like I give up. Just sits down, mm-hmm. lays down, face down on the ground. Like fully, like lets it go. Um, this that is, my is what I quit. Yeah. emotionally and physically. <laughs> and physically. <laughs> 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 um, so anyway, I think that that really struck me. Like as my overarching takeaway. Um, yeah. This is a Greta Goric movie. You know.
1: Yeah. Do you want to try and go through our notes as like as if we were watching the movie yeah. together?
0: Yeah. Why not? I mean, good as good as a format as any.
1: So. You referenced the beginning of the movie, but I do want to call out, you said the the thing about uh, Mattel's influence. It's the first thing I noticed when I saw the movie. There's yeah. a big Mattel logo right at the beginning. Yeah. And, I don't know, we've been watching Marvel movies for, you know, forever at this point. So, it's not something we're not used to. It's I think it's almost a build on that. But, immediately, I was like, okay, this movie is trying to do something And whatever it does will be in the context of that Mattel logo.
0: Yeah, for sure. Right. And like there there were all of those stories when the movie first came out about like what what scene did Mattel veto. Right. Because there Mm -hmm. apparently they did. They did veto the inclusion of something. What was some there was like some scene that had to be approved by the executive like by the ceo of mattel themselves right like Mm -hmm. like that there was this oversight of brand like brand quality Mm -hmm. by the company itself right there were maybe directions that greta gerwig wanted to push this movie or this story but she had to be on the rails With like company approvals. And like, I think that, you know, again, in one of these other interviews, she talks about uh, Gerwig talked about one of I can't remember which Barbie it is, but one of the Barbies like is the Barbie that infinitely like famously said, like math is hard. You know what I'm talking oh, about? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So it's like one of the Barbies that like does like a slogan thing. And so they mm-hmm. um she's in the movie. She is one of the Barbies that we see frequently. Um, but they like chose not to have her say these slogans because it like just came off too weird. It mm-hmm. like didn't it 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 didn't fit the tone of the movie, right? And like mm-hmm. that's the thing, is like Greta Gerwig can make an art film and like while this film needed her like artistic perspective on film um mm. and it th- and it sings because of that it is also not an art film right it's right. not doing the kind of cultural analysis that an art film is usually trying to do
1: Your your notes start with 2001: A Space Odyssey.
0: That's how the movie starts. The movie I starts know. with 2001. It's also Space like the Odyssey. first trailer
1: we ever saw, right? <laughs> 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 it's i mean at this point i think most of the people have either seen the movie or seen the trailer but it's a really uh incredible little sequence there's the the quote the dolls were always and forever baby dolls <laughs> something about the the girls were, could only ever play as mothers and there's this line because barbie can be anything women can be anything and i think it's that entire monologue is said tongue-in-cheek almost, oh yeah oh yeah right and it's like presenting this idea of girl boss feminism that the movie is, I think, going to attempt to take apart. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I just remember watching it the first time being like, I hope this is not what this movie is
0: doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, like, really the first line that is truly played for laughs, right, yeah. is thanks to Barbie, all problems of feminism yeah. and civil rights have been solved. Yeah. And, like, That is supposed to be an absurd statement that you laugh at. Like, ha-ha. Yeah. And I think that, right, like, this... One of the other things that I think is like worth saying is that the there is a little gr- the little girl in this opening mm-hmm. sequence with the bright blonde hair with like the blunt bangs mm-hmm. and the glasses. Now I did not get glasses until I was in high school, but I cannot overstate how much as a child I looked like this little girl Amazing. with just like my bl- like white blonde blunt bangs, just like feral as fuck, um,
1: <laughs> just like smashing baby heads he, and smashing baby dolls. Just
0: <laughs> I really. Um, Now, I will say my mom would take uh, objection to the I wasn't really a big baby doll smasher. I was much more likely to set them all up and give them a a lengthy lecture, Um, (laughs) which is true. I used to have school for all of my toys. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Anyway, but I think that, like, yes, it's tongue in cheek. It's it's like we know what we're doing. Okay, we're going to talk about this thing and we're going to set it up for you. like this is not going to be. The glitz and glam of, like, everything is perfect because we are setting you up for it's going to get fucked, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was laughing because I was reading what you had next. And it looks like the, the next year notes, the next part of your notes is, like, purely about the aesthetics of Barbie land, which is going to talk me through them. <laughs>
0: Correct. For me, there are so many things about the aesthetics of Barbie land that make it so perfect. I think Mm -hmm. the number one and number two things for me are one, just like the visual scale of mm-hmm. the objects that the actors are interacting with, which is to say the scale on everything is just a little bit off, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've played with dolls a lot in your life, you know that often doll accessories and the scale of doll accessories in, from doll houses to like Barbies across the board is just a little bit off sometimes, right? Barbie is so tall compared to her car, right? right. Barbie is so large compared to like the street trash can when compared to like a regular person, right? right? So when they're like, when the sanitation workers like have the smaller than is normal size like trash cans, Mm -hmm. but the packages are all the right size. Like there are things that are appropriately scaled and it's more about like this mix of scale and then the other thing is like the texture. The textures of the ground that are around it, like Mm -hmm. this plastic looking thing, right? When she walks across the water Water coming down the slide in this opening sequence. It's like slightly glowing. Like it had like the Mm -hmm. lights that are inside the toy, right? Like Mm -hmm. it really gets this element of a constructed reality that speaks to you as both implicitly natural for the like characters that you're seeing Mm -hmm. to interact with. There's nothing that is odd or off about it that isn't played as a joke or isn't like it's not aware of that. Take, for example, Ken running into the plastic waves and (laughs) cartwheeling through the sky right like it's like yes haha these are toys they are in a toy land it is all fantastical but it like does this so successfully by playing on those familiar like textures and scaling that we are we know from like playing with toys ourselves Mm -hmm. as kids
1: yeah the thing the thing that always uh, sticks out to me is the sort of like painted background oh yeah i mean that's always just like a vibe in in any case where you see that but yeah it really works to set um set the scene alongside the other things that you mentioned
0: even when you know the humans make it to barbie land, one of them comments and says you can see through all of the houses right mm-hmm. and that's just like a thing that's always true about barbie houses is you can see At least on one side, you can see into them, right? I don't know if you your sister ever had a Barbie dream house or if you ever, like, remember playing with one or seeing with one. But some of them were, like, on the front, on the facade was, like, a normal facade. And then on the back, it was open. Mm -hmm. And then there were also ones that, like, opened, like, had a hinge on them so they could close And then would open and be open inside.
1: Yeah, we didn't ever have any of that. We had a lot of, like, kitchen toys in, in yeah, our mm-hmm, house growing mm-hmm. up.
0: Yeah, I also did not have Barbies um, until I was eight years old. So that was mm. a, a, a parentally set bright line of um, mm. no Barbies pre-8 because Barbies pre-8 could lead to me having un. Realistic expectations for the female form.
1: So your life was like <laughs> this movie is directly in in conversation with your early life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that too. Like, and also like, I think like <laughs> the context of that being the reasoning for not allowing me to have Barbies alongside like allowing me to do things like ballet in mm-hmm. the nineties and early two thousands. When I mean, I mean, still to this day, kids struggle with this. But like when there was less and less protection or less than now protection for kids who like mm-hmm. were are struggling with eating disorders or like we're struggling with expectations about their, the shape and size of their body that like, okay, you're not allowed to have Barbies because she's, destroying feminism right she's making you want to be like a cookie cutter woman who wears heels and is a girl boss right um and makeup and like does all of these things to perform femininity but we can put you into an intensive like class where you will constantly be commented your your body size um and the way that you are physically presenting in the world will always be commented on and critiqued like Mm -hmm is is so interesting to me and and i think like so in that way too right like this movie speaks to the the decision over whether or not to have barbies was one that was fraught for our parents gender my parents generation Mm -hmm. right and so like in that way too right i am here with this movie and the way that it wants the story that it wants to tell
1: yeah my version of that growing up was uh i was not Allowed at different periods of time to watch Power Rangers because mm. of XYZ reasons, like mm-hmm. somebody decided it was too violent or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there was all that kind of stuff when we were kids. Um, you call out specifically Sharon Rooney and Hari Neff um, and their versions of Barbie. And I like, I, I don't, I, what are you comparing there?
0: <laughs> okay. So one of the things that I think here is, right? I have thought a lot about the ways that this movie does inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that, to your point earlier, right, that never really dives deep into Mm -hmm. the conversations that it's having about inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. They are present. There's no question, right? This is, like, a very successful, like, liberal feminist, like, it is all good Mm -hmm. if all of these people are present, right, approach. And I think what really strikes me, though, is, like— there is a huge contrast between how Hari Neff's character and Sharon Rooney's character, their two Barbies, get treated in that world in terms of like styling Mm. and like actual like lines and presentation when they get played for laughs versus when they get to be their own autonomous agent. And so I have autonomous person, right? They get their own autonomy. I, I have a lot of like I don't want this to seem like I'm I'm pitting these two things against each other but this liberal feminist framework requires us essentially to do so right like it essentially mm-hmm. says like the only way that you can critique these women is to compare them to each other and mm-hmm. we are not supposed to compare women to each other right we're not supposed to compare the treatment of women to each other per like this film's narrative everyone should get to be unique and individual in their own way and like I don't know whether or not Sharon Rooney got to have a say and how she was costumed. I don't know if Mm -hmm. the costumes were to her liking, but it's pretty noticeable to me that while she is there and she is fat, I guess I haven't said that to this point. Sharon Sharon Rooney is fat, right? And I am fat, and I think a lot about fat politics, and fat politics especially with relation to Barbie because of the aforementioned eating disorder culture that I grew (laughs) up in, right? Um, And so what I'm thinking a lot about is like, Sharon Rooney is fat, Harry Neff is trans, they both have speaking roles as Barbies, but Sharon Rooney's character is covered up in ways that Mm -hmm. other Barbies are not. She wears long sleeves, she wears leggings, right? Mm -hmm. And again, if that was the actress's comfort level, if that's Sharon Rooney's comfort level, then cool, chill, I'm good with it. But there, it does feel like there is something to be said of like, is it actual successful representation? Is it actually making it so that we are equalizing the perspective of how being a woman is defined? Or are we still saying we can have fat women in this movie and there can be a fat Barbie, but she won't be as glamorous or as like scantily dressed as
1: other Barbies. See also Midge in this. Yeah, movie.
0: Midge is a great example. I mean, as a whole, right? Yeah. Even Alan too to some degree, right? Right. Even even this character and like I I think that like Alan and Weird Barbie and uh Magic Earring Ken and right. Sugar Daddy <laughs> Ken, right? Like right. All of these characters are mostly played for laughs. And mm-hmm. Harry's, thankfully, Harry Neff's character like does not get mm-hmm. played for laughs. And mm-hmm. that is a boon and an advantage. And I don't think that like at any point is Sharon Rooney's Barbie specifically like made fun of for her weight and her size, but it's more about no. like the context of her and her portrayal in the same way that like the context of Weird Barbie and Weird Barbie getting less weird over the course of the movie is one thing that bothers me. <laughs> like she has like like, less stuff drawn on her face and her hair gets more and more normal. She looks more
1: punk near the end of the movie than she does, like, weird.
0: (laughs) So, I don't know. I think, like, the costuming choices there and that she is the one who delivers the line, I have no difficulty holding both logic and feeling at the same time and it does not diminish my powers, it expands them, Mm -hmm. is, like, this, and to be clear, that's Sharon Rooney's Barbie delivers that line. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I, I do think that there is something to be said for... It's a throwaway line because it is said by her. It's said by her and then it's cut away. And it feels mm. like a line that is like so central to the film's thesis but doesn't right. get like the equivalent time that other characters get when they say things like this.
1: If it was said by America Ferreira in that moment in the weird Barbie house or whatever, like it would have been something people were uh, quoting and, yeah. and talking about. Yeah. right? Um, I, think, I still think it's effective. I think still think it's a good line. 100. I my take on it this time was like, who is the movie speaking to? What it's saying. Ooh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> right? Like, I think the person that is getting like that, it's it's still in that section of like we're introducing the world, we're introducing mm-hmm. what Barbie Land is, who the Barbies are, and so it's still in that tongue in cheek kind of section of the Helen Mirren you know voiceover uh, telling you things that are so obviously if. If maybe not not true, just like there's a wink and a nod to it because there's like some deeper meaning that that thing is not getting at yeah um you're I think you're meant to feel like cheering for for this Barbie when she says that, and also you know that like there is something else happening yeah. there, like no most people watching this movie don't disagree with Sharon Brody's Barbie when That's she right. says that.
0: That's right. Right. And I mean, I think that that's a good point, too. Like, who is the audience for this movie? Who is seeking this movie out? Um, And, like, they talked a little bit in the they talked a little bit in, like, pre stuff for the film about, like, millennial moms as being a Mm -hmm. large part of their audience and being, like, the future. Right. Um, But not as the primary audience, although I do think that this is a line that speaks really directly to millennial women. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Like it, this, this is specifically, I mean, Matt, you, you know why this line exists because Hillary Clinton ran for
1: president in 2016. Oh yes. <laughs> that's why this line yeah.
0: exists in this movie.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. I also like, th- that's the vibes it's giving me when I say yeah. that, like, I'm like, who is this for? It's um, for Hillary it's, Clinton
2: actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's,
1: it, 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 it's giving me white liberal fem- feminist vibes. Mm -hmm. um and i don't think that it's like the thing the thing about saying that is that like i don't think it's a bad thing to say i don't think that even it's like a thing that you wouldn't hear a version of in the real world because that idea is like broadly yeah maybe not shared right right like i would say most we still live in a very patriarchal society that like at least subconsciously, a lot of people don't agree with that. Yeah. Even if you might ask them if they agree with that, they would be, of course. Yeah. Right? And also, when you're making art that's, like, trying to push boundaries, which I think you have posed a good question of, like, if Barbie, if we yeah. should treat it as that. It feels like, okay, well, that feels like a few rounds ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's how I feel about a lot of this movie, right? And, mm. and like, I think that, you know without getting too far ahead of ourselves right but like when we're talking about right when we're talking about how are who is this movie for who is the uh, conversations about gender like who is the audience for that we are really like this film is behind the movie Mm -hmm. saying barbie saying to ken at the end like i'm sorry that i didn't give you support right like is an attempt to like correctly frame that patriarchy harms men as much as it harms women Mm -hmm. right but like the i have no difficulty holding both logic and feeling at the same time and it does not diminish my power and it expands them that is a more revolutionary like thesis on gender when it's coming out of the mouth of a cis man, right? Because the complication has never been, the understanding has never been that women cannot hold both logic and feeling at the same time. It is that women are required to hold both logic and feeling at the same time to navigate the world in a way where men get to, cisgender men get to say that they are operating on logic when they're actually operating on feeling, right? Right. And so like, the, the ways that this movie tries to encompass and make up for this very matriarchal structure in the front end of the movie, right, by being acknowledging the ways that patriarchy does harm men in this in this world right by Barbie ignoring Ken and making him feel unwanted and less than he was engaging in the same kind of self comparison right that women are often engaging in right it's a flipping the script kind of thing mm-hmm. but it flips the script and just because it flips the script doesn't mean that it is like actually challenging or pushing back against like patriarchal norms i think you're very right to point out that what it really does is say, hey, we all live in the patriarchy. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. And the answer for, for the target audience of the film is like, yes, I am aware of the patriarchy.
1: Yeah. I have one more thing to say and then I want us to move yeah. on because I yeah, do yeah, want yeah, us yeah. to finish <laughs> the introduction to Barbie Land section. Um I sent you a link to a video that I think unfortunately you can't watch yet. Um, Jesse Gender. I
0: have not watched it, but I want to watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesse Gender did a video called "The Title Is How Barbie Sissified the Matrix," and that is not sissified <laughs> as in sissy. It is sissified as in cis. And let me tell you, Jesse is very aware of that. In the beginning of the video, like yeah. <laughs> spells it as sissified, and then was like that's not what I mean. <laughs> um, and the, t- the thumbnail is gender nonconformity in a binary world. That video is only on Nebula right now. It's a, one of the like Nebula first, and then it'll be on YouTube. The premise of that video is, like, if we take the now understood reading of The Matrix, right, as a, a trans story, this movie has multiple scenes that are directly referencing The Matrix, and yeah. it basically is the plot structure of The Matrix. Yes. Barbie lives in... Uh, not real world, right? Mm-hmm. And something happens. She is given a choice mm-hmm. to either go to the real world and have her entire like life shaken up and and you know basically encounter trauma. You're supposed right? to want to know. Right, you have to want to know. <laughs> right, and she actually chooses to stay. And yeah. Weird Barbie says, "No, you've got to go." <laughs> like it's. I mean, I, it's, I just gave you a choice
0: so you could feel like you had some sense of control. <laughs>
1: Jesse points out that, like, you see Ruth Handler um, when Barbie goes to Mattel, and she points out that it's almost exactly the scene where Neo meets the Oracle in The <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I just thought it was a really cool framing. Uh, but her her, like, general point is that where The Matrix shakes things up in a real way and really recontextualizes the world for Neo. Yeah. What Barbie does... Is take patriarchy and not turn it into matriarchy, which is a different structural thing. Mm-hmm. It instead just is like reverse patriarchy. Yeah, right. It's the same world. It's 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 ruled by the same rules. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, all the things we just talked about about gender and race, right, and sexuality, and I would say also capitalism are all still the same. Yeah. It's just who's in charge is different.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And, I mean, I think, like, you know, part of the reading that I did before this, I was, like, Googling around to see if there was anything, like, anybody had written about this. I was like, has Judith Butler written anything about the Barbie movie? I'd be – I'm dying to know what she she thinks of this, right? Like, what does Judith Butler think of this? Because, like, I think that there is also something to be said for if it is just that cisgender women – are in charge of the power structure, but the power structure is still doing all of the harms of patriarchy, then you are right. The system is still patriarchy. It is not matriarchy. And it is not even, it's not materially different, right? Like this is the, this we could go into the philosophy of like the, you only are ever able. This is why I was thinking of Butler specifically, right? Butler writes about how gender, is not inherent, but it is also inescapable. I, right. I don't. I don't know how much Judith Butler you know, or like. No,
1: I am. I am <laughs> saying right because that makes sense to me, not because I have heard okay, it before. Okay, 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 okay.
0: okay. <laughs> so, 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 gender hegemony is performative in that it is like productive. So, identity is an effect rather than a cause in Butler's framing, mm. and so it's not like when Butler says that like gender is a performance. They do not mean that it is a theatrical performance. They mean that it is like the very act of doing it is to reinforce and create it at the same Mm. time. I am really bad at explaining Judith Butler in a few words, although to be fair, (laughs) there are not many people who can explain Judith Butler in a few words. But I think that like what Butler really talks about is that like, All of these things are maintained under this heterosexual binary. All of these things Mm -hmm. are held up by heteropatriarchal systems. And... We exist within these systems, whether we choose to or not, and the ways that we engage with gender um, opens the opportunity for transformation. Rather than like overcoming or escaping, we can transform the systems and like like renegotiate them. I, I think the point here is, Matt, you're right. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Jesse Genders right. Jesse Genders the smarter one that got uh, me there. Okay. Um, okay. The I, I just like really. Surface level ways, right, that this is is shown to you is, I mean, simple things. Like, the kins have no say in what goes on. Yeah. Right? Which, like... that. They're just kins. It's intentionally absurd to prove a point, right? And also, it's like, if the world works that way, that would also be wrong, yes. right? Uh Barbie has this moment that she ends up apologizing for at the end of the movie, right, where she says she basically tells Ken to fuck off and right and she doesn't want to hang out with him. Yeah, and she's and he, he's like, well, I thought maybe I'd stay over. And she's like, it's it's the Barbie dream house, not Ken's dream house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he uses that against her later in the movie. Um But like the point being that like she was kind of an asshole to him, yeah. right? She not that she needed to sleep with him or whatever was implied, but yeah. that like she basically turned him down as like a human, right? right? Didn't didn't respect him. Um, in certain ways. And the, the, my point is basically that the, the answer to that being true for women in the real world would not be in some fictional world to say, okay, now the opposite is true.
0: Right. For sure. I mean, I think that like the, the the real world, like radical politics, like evolved version of this is a person says to you, maybe I thought we could, I could stay over and you say, no, thank you. I don't want that. And they say, okay, cool. Chill. Yeah. And then they they you know, there, there's, that's, that's the conversation. Right. Yeah. And like maybe it is brought up again. Right. But like yeah. I think that one of the things that I did like about this movie was that at no point did it say that like the resolution of this would be not just that Ken and Barbie reconcile, but that right. they like get back together. And I do actually wonder if that was like a Mattel thing because of like, do you remember that Barbie and Ken are divorced?
1: I don't remember that, but that is incredible. And also, I also loved this about the movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, Barbie and Ken broke up, like, okay. years ago. Um, okay. and, and it was, like, a whole big thing. It was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Barbie and Ken are breaking up, all this stuff. Um, but it's also, like, what is that? How does that? There are so many <laughs> Barbie, so Barbie storylines. In none of them, is she, not in every one of them, is she with Ken until the end. Um, so... I just I do I did like that part of it. Like I did like right. that it was like even at the end, she continues to be like when he keeps leaning in for a kiss and she's like, Nope, mm-hmm. that's not still not interested. Sorry, that's not what I was trying to say Still not what's happening.
1: <laughs> he does eventually get it too. Yeah. I so we're getting towards a thing um, that I think can move us forward a little bit, which that the things that worked in this movie for me are the moments of self-discovery that both Barbie and Ken have. Yeah. Right? The the moments that are making me cry in this movie are the scene with Barbie and Ken in the dream house at the end of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. The scene with Barbie and Ruth at the end of the movie, both times where each of them are discovering things about themselves. Ken is discovering how to have value in himself without Barbie. And Barbie is figuring out exactly what she wants to be in the universe. Right. And the beginning of that is this incredible moment at a dance party. (laughs) that I know that you wanted to talk about.
0: Oh, you guys ever think about dying?
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a great line. You said in your notes that you wish it wasn't in the trailers, and I share that sentiment.
0: I really, really... I mean, it was so funny in the context of the movie, but I think that, like, Mm -hmm. this is a really good example of when a trailer is really, really trying to reel people in and convince people. And, like, the Barbie marketing campaign, we could do an entire separate episode on. I am Mm -hmm. obsessed with it. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was well done. I thought it was, like, the coverage was incredible. From, like, a marketing professional perspective, it, it was impressive And, like, a testament to, like, what people can do if you give them an almost unlimited amount of money. Um. Right. And,
1: and like, I don't know, in the last few weeks, we've seen, like, the Marvels tank, right? I think there's a lot going on there, but one of them is that their marketing campaign was awful. Yeah. Right? They had a lot stacked against them. Yeah. But I, even just being, like, I'm being a big Marvel fan, was like, man, they're really not doing a lot to sell this movie. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's partially partially because I think they were leaning on, it's a Marvel movie. Yeah.
0: Familiarity, (laughs) right? right? Like an, an appetite. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that I wish they'd kept this out of the trailer. So it would have had more punch when you saw it for the first time. But that being said, As someone who has, for my whole life, struggled with anxiety and depression, what a perfect encapsulation of what it's like to be at a party and having a really good time but still being, like, fucked up Mm -hmm. in your brain.
1: (laughs) And as the person who is always the constant oversharer in moments when... You know, like, that's not uh, maybe the vibe. <laughs> yeah. I totally felt this. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, like, literally, you're, like, having the best time. And you are thinking about death and dying. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is irrepressible thoughts of death and dying Barbie. Like,
2: yeah.
0: that is, that's me. And I think that, like, that's part of the point, right? Is, like, yeah. that, you know, these these Barbie creations that um, America Ferrera's character comes up with, right? Like, are very real to like the way that we we experience the world but i also thought that it was very funny that without in without knowing right so just the trailer existing and the marketing campaign doing the like this kind of Barbie, this kind of Barbie, Mm -hmm. right? Like, or the, this Ken, whatever, right? The frames that you could put yourself into to add those kinds of things. People were making those kinds of jokes before the text of the movie was even available to them, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of like irrepressible thoughts of death and dying Barbie is so reflective of like the organic experience of like being an adult trying to relate to a children's toy world of like everything is fine and normal here's what I'm brushing under the rug right it's about Mm -hmm. that juxtaposition and I think it just really works as a moment and Mm -hmm. is so funny
1: yeah I I love how how long they let you sit in the silence too yeah I will say I don't have anything to talk about until the real world. So if there's things that you want to talk about between here and there.
0: The thing that makes the movie for me is the references and the jokes. Mm. I think that, like, there's a lot that's happening textually in the movie, but really on the rewatch. Like, I am here for the moments that made me laugh, and I'm here yeah. for the specific references. And I can't let this episode move forward without talking about one of the absolute funniest things in the whole movie that I feel like it's no, <laughs> no acknowledgement is... When Barbie's feet go flat, okay, I, first of all, I just, kudos, I hope Margot Robbie, she should have negotiated for a bigger contract, I will just say. She really put her feet on main in a movie a lot. When the Ken on the beach is, like, up mm-hmm. on the beach stand and they're talking and there she's like, the flat feet, flat feet, <laughs> and they're all making puking noises. Yeah. That the Ken on the tower is also making puking noises. Is yeah, it's
1: Kingsley Benedier.
0: So funny. Why is this so funny, Matt?
1: Kens, Ken's have flat
2: feet.
0: Flat feet. <laughs> Kens have flat feet. Why would he be grossed out? Yeah. He has flat feet. I mean, I know it's cuz it's the Barbie has flat feet whatever, but it right. is so funny, so funny to me.
1: I the this is where Harry Neff like just shows like her incredible like personality in this movie for me, her reaction to the flat feet. Also when they're (laughs) doing the sort of like heist at the end of the movie, she's incredible in that she's like one of my favorite Barbies in this movie. She's
0: so funny. I I don't get my criticism of like how the movie sets her up Um, wrong. I love her in this movie. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So it's that it's the Birkenstocks, right? You have to want to know. I just uh-huh. gave you a choice so you feel a sense of personal control. <laughs> That's a personal attack. That's right. a personal fucking attack. Okay. The Indigo Girls. I I yeah. can't believe that the, an Indigo Girls song is the song that was chosen. I mean, I can't believe because Greta Gerwig turned forty this year, and right. we're of the same musical and it's generation, Carlyle, isn't it? The, uh, yes, it is the Brandon cover yeah. of Indigo Girls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think that really the one thing that is missing is they should have let Simu Liu and um, Ryan Gosling kiss.
1: I was going to say um, they picked all of the hottest men that are currently yeah. acting right now. Yeah. They have Ryan Gosling, Simu Liu, Kingsley ben who I just yeah. mentioned, Scott Evans, holy fuck, Yeah, and you also have, oh, Chudi Gatwa, who yeah. uh, is... At some point soon going to be the doctor if that didn't happen at the end of last night's episode. Yeah. Just like a bunch of gorgeous actors who are, are currently uh, in the zeitgeist.
0: There should have been more kissing. That's yeah. um, actually my takeaway of a lot of things. Yeah. There should have been more kissing. Also,
1: John Cena is in this movie. I do not include him in that list.
0: John Cena.
1: <laughs> incredible
0: <laughs> as a murking. Um And then I think that actually maybe the funniest line in the whole movie, yeah, I think the funniest line in the whole movie is, she thinks I'm a fascist. I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. (laughs) Oh my
1: god, so we have to talk about Sasha. Okay, so... Premise, they've, like, Barbie has realized that she has flat feet, that things are wrong. She goes to the real world to try and, like, I don't know, cheer up the person that is playing with her, maybe. Um, That's what she thinks she needs to do. Um, And she goes and finds Sasha, who we will later discover is not the little girl that is playing with her, but is that woman's daughter. Um, And they paint Sasha as this, like, vicious teenager. Mm Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines in the movie is they're sitting there with three other girls, and one, and they all go, "Come on, Sasha, give it to her, destroy Barbie."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god, it's so perfect.
0: It's so perfect.
1: Yeah, and then like later on, Barbie's crying um, and, and talking about how Sasha called her a fascist. And, uh, uh-
0: do think that it's really interesting too because like that's one there there are a couple moments in this movie where like the teen dialogue writing feels really spot on to me to like how i do Mm -hmm. hear teenagers today talk and that was one of them that fascist Mm -hmm. is like clearly hurled as an insult Mm -hmm. i i just think that it's really funny of this like just the strict like again the tongue in cheek like Mm -hmm. barbie only knows this term and like in the sense of its strict definition and she says, I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. But do you know who does control the railways and the flow of commerce in Barbie Land, Matt? Barbie.
1: Will Farrell? No, oh, Barbie. Barbie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Barbie is the president. Barbie is the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Barbie is their entire government. It is a fascist Barbie government.
1: Like... You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. That's incredible. I, I love this part of the movie. And I also love... Um, basically everything about America Ferrera's family.
2: Yeah. Oh my Um, God. The husband. There's a
1: scene. Oh my, yeah. There's a scene where they pan to the dad and he's doing Duolingo on the couch. I swear to God, we walked out of that movie and Jonathan goes, that was you. And I was like, fuck it. I know. I know.
0: When he says, si se puede at the end. (laughs) She's
1: like, that's a political political statement.
0: That's that's appropriation. Dad. Don't say that.
1: (laughs) oh my uh. god oh also the another way that sasha feels real to me is when they're kind of coming to the she's like breaking out of her slump and she starts talking uh, you know just basically doing a speech and sasha goes hell yeah white savior barbie
0: and <laughs> <I laughs> Right. That is that is Greta Gerwig trying to do the like, I know, I know. Right. Yeah, like,
1: it's, and, it's lampshading for and sure. It
0: does feel that way. Right. Like it mm-hmm. does feel like the if you are someone for whom the critiques that are presented in this movie fall short, this also feels like it falls short. Right. Um, mm-hmm. This sort of like self-reflexive poking fun at like this is the most, um, you know, the strongest thing she could say about herself.
1: Yeah. So I I brought up the moments near the end of the movie that that worked best for me, which are, you know, in the dream house with Ken and also that sort of final scene with Ruth. But the one that I walked out not being able to forget is the scene in the park. Um, It is a scene of Barbie, like, basically observing different forms of humanity that are not extreme happiness. They're not all bad, but she does see a couple having a fight. She sees a guy looking sad, and then she sees this old woman on a park bench just living life and says, uh, you're so beautiful. And that woman says back to her, I know it. And they just, like, kind of stare at each other for a little bit. But I read something right after this movie that kind of—this this scene was both impactful and felt weird to me. Mm. And the thing that um, I read right after the movie came out was that, like, she's never seen an older person before like that's just like not a concept that she has on her head. Yeah. Right? Even the idea that she would know what a child looked like? Yeah. Is interesting. Like this the writer of this I don't remember who it was, um was basically like it is like feasible to like in fiction assume that like this is the first time she's encountering this this kind of person, and she finds yeah. them beautiful because of that. Yeah. Right. Do you know who that person is?
0: I don't. I did think to maybe look it up, but I didn't do that.
1: <laughs> People thought it was Barbara Handler, who Barbie is named after. Right. So the person sitting on the bench that Barbie says this to, her name is Ann Roth, and she is a Oscar winning, uh, she's an Oscar winning costume designer, um, and a personal friend of Greta Gerwig's.
0: Okay. Cool.
1: Um, so that's who she's talking to there.
0: I really love this moment because I do think that the this moment was poignant for me because of the aging aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I struggle the most with in my relationships with women who are like older than me particularly, and I, I say mm-hmm. that only because they are primarily who I've had these kinds of conversations with
2: mm-hmm.
0: is how how much fear like like the the aging is the worst thing that can happen to you right right and that like getting older having wrinkles having liver spots having sun damaged skin that these are the things that are like the that make you undesirable over time right and I as someone who wasn't confident that they would get to grow old am like so excited by the idea that like I will get to grow old and there will be visible signs of aging in my body and in my face. Mm -hmm. And it makes me genuinely so sad when people express dislike for themselves around like things, traits that they have because of aging. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I, I liked this moment because it felt so um, real and authentic. There's a version of this moment where, you know, the woman, cries or the woman doesn't know what to say or says she's so beautiful but I do also feel like it just has a little bit of that like old lady magic where sometimes mm-hmm. you say something like that to an old lady and they're just like yeah I fucking know it and those yeah. old ladies rule so yeah. I, I did I really I think that this is also a moment in the film that gives me that same big emotion um mm-hmm. feelings as, as the moments with Ruth do
1: it uh, reminded me a bit of the the parts early on in the movie where the Barbies are doing incredible things and just saying, like, I deserve this, right? Mm-hmm. The, I don't remember what they call her, but the Barbie that has, like, written something and gets a Nobel Prize for it yeah. or whatever. right? She's like, I worked hard and I deserve this. And that is played for laughs, but also, like, this is a real human version of that um, sort of existing in this movie's real world, which yeah. is, um, I don't know, a nice comparison to see.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that, like, there there are only a couple other moments in the movie that stand out to me that I wanted to make
1: sure that we talked about. Sorry. Something catch your eye? Yeah, in your notes you said the archival costumes made me yell, not the palazzos. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I love this moment, both, like, I, okay, one of the things that I really liked about this film is, like, how playful it is in the way that, Mm -hmm. like, as, like, a film, it is very Mm -hmm. playful, it is very engaged with the audience, the way that it, like, mixes style and, and substance, right, that it has these little animated moments that make it feel fantastical, right, and so this sequence where Ken and Barbie are fighting, and it is, Ken is throwing all Of Barbie's clothes out of the dream house after they returned to Barbie land. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is becoming Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa House, um, which you don't have to say Dojo or casa, before you say house, but you do say it because it's fun It's fun to say. And it feels good. And it feels good. (laughs) Is, you know, the the clothes are flying into the air, and then they're flat lay, and it's like, it pops up next to it what the name of Mm -hmm. the clothing item is. And these are all real things from the Barbie Mm -hmm. archive, right? Um, And I really love, like, the, the, that's archival, right? Like, (laughs) these are, like, these things. And the way that Margot Robbie says not the Palazzo's! Like, just, like, so genuinely devastated that the Palazzo pants have been thrown out of the Barbie dream house is so funny to me. But it's also, like, was a really touching and exciting moment for me as, like, a film nerd, like, to see costumes portrayed, mm-hmm. like, and, and like... Part of what makes Barbie iconic is not just Barbie herself. It is her clothes. It is her style. And so, like, to see the clothes themselves get this kind of shining moment. Because their clothes and the style are all over the film. You know, she is impeccably Mm -hmm. styled. She is always wearing something that is referential to a real Barbie dress um, until the very end. And um, I I really enjoyed this. I also... um, growing up had a family friend who she made she would hand sew barbie clothes and like making your own barbie clothes used to be a lot more common as did many other right like small hand crafts um but yeah i thought it was really exciting too because there's this like element of the like the person who designed those those styles all of those years ago is like now getting to see Mm -hmm. this like honorary moment of the palazzo Mm -hmm. pants anyway (laughs) (laughs) um it's really funny it's just a really funny moment
1: (laughs) my some of my favorite parts of like when the kins have taken over barbie land are like the words that they use for things so because they've never encountered a world where men are in control they just don't have words for things uh uh like Ken tries to use the he's like you can be my bride wife (laughs) Uh, and his long-term low commitment distance girlfriend (laughs) I love that there's no word between commitment and distance that's the funniest part yeah Uh, Uh, and all the the Barbies are handing them brewski beers
0: brewski beers yeah 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 It's very, it's very much giving, I read one book energy. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, I did, I did not research, but I am curious if all of the titles of the books that um, Ken chose are real books um, from Mm. the real world. (laughs) I should have researched. But they're all very funny. Um, I do really like that the, uh, like the whole thing about like, patriarchy and horses and like horses Mm -hmm. being um to your point about not having words horses are just men extenders (laughs) (laughs) is what ken says at some point in the movie it just makes men taller (laughs) Mm -hmm. when they're sitting on a horse Mm -hmm. i don't know everything about it is I mean, I think like the other thing that that we're certainly won't be the first people to point out, but it is worth saying. Everybody knows a guy who you've been to a, his house, and it's like that. And being from Oklahoma, I want to say mm-hmm. I used to date someone whose bedspread was a king-size comforter that looked like the Texas flag, okay? This is not fiction. It's real life, and I am owed emotional damages.
1: (laughs) I, when you said we all know somebody whose house looks like that, I was picturing, and I will not include this in the show, um, I was picturing (laughs) his house with his
0: roommates. (laughs) You can just say, I was picturing redacted.
1: Yeah, I can just bleep myself out.
0: (laughs) In that fucking house that they lived in that used to be a dentist's office. Yeah. Oh my god. It is it was like that. Oh my god, with all their fish tanks. Oh, could live there. Did live there, yeah.
1: What a wild, yeah. Wild life we've lived. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go through some of my favorite lines in this movie before we move on. Okay, okay, okay. There's uh, the we talked about the writer Barbie earlier. She has this line that basically uh, when they go back to Barbieland, the the Barbies have been like I don't know brainwashed by the Kins to yes. take on normative gender roles. Um, yes, and they they break her out of that spell, and she says, "It's like I've been in a dream where suddenly I was really invested in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League." Which I'm sure when it was written was extremely topical, but because that was such a moment, just like completely still lands in 2023.
0: (laughs) It's so funny. I think the thing is, Matt, that like there are so many people who like, I like comic books. That's part of the things that are true about Mm -hmm. me that many people know. So many people are like, Did you see the Zack Snyder Justice League cut? And I was like, (laughs) No, why would I do that? I don't hate myself. I do like comics, but I don't
1: hate myself. I did, in fact, see it and it was bad. It didn't, they didn't rescue that movie. No. The movie was bad. Yeah. Um, Um,
0: Yeah, that line is very, very funny and was a personal attack.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love during I'm just Ken at the end when they scream, I'll see you on Malibu Beach. I'll see you on Malibu Beach.
0: (laughs) I think that... That that moment segues into arguably the best um, sequence in the movie, right? Like, so the the dream dance sequence, I am obsessed. I was obsessed with. Like, I that is the moment in theaters that the movie changed. And I was, like, physically freaking out so excited <laughs> that, the, that the dream ballet was happening. Because I love dream ballets. I think that dream ballets are fascinating. They're a weird relic of a weird time in movie musicals. Mm-hmm. I think they're so... Just truly, what the fuck? You're watching Funny yeah. Girl, you think you know what's happening, and then something else is happening. You're watching Oklahoma, you think you know what's happening, and then something else is happening. And it's like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, in this movie, it's so perfect. And then I read... um this in the in the Vanity Fair piece that Greg was interviewed for, she said there was some of that. Some, you need what? Why do we need a dream ballet here? I was like, because it will be a delight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's always a mo- moment with every movie where they say, you could cut this, you could cut that. And I end up saying, or we could cut the whole movie. We could just cut the whole movie. We don't have to do it. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that energy of defending the dream ballet because I agree. It did need to be there, but also it didn't. It didn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. That's always the thing about the Dream Ballet is it never had to be there.
1: Right. For me, the context that I had for that kind of thing was like uh, White Christmas. Yes. Uh, they they work it into the story a little bit better, right? Which, they near do. like three quarters through the movie, they're like at the lodge, like rehearsing for the big show or whatever. And that's when they have their version of a Dream yes. Ballet. Yes. Right?
0: But the, the Dream Ballet in general, right, like as, as a concept primarily is is really only in that like era of like 40s to like late Mm sixties movie musicals. Bye Bye Birdie has one. I think Mm. I could, I could look up a list, (laughs) but I'm not going to, (laughs) I just, I think they're so funny. It's, it was specifically for me. It was specifically for me that there was a dream, a dream ballet. It's also
1: in the context of that fight between, you know, like the Ken's that is just funny in its own right. It's like the whole thing of, you know, Simu Liu's Ken uh, versus Ryan Gosling's Ken That is just hysterical, and they're like fighting each other with tennis rackets in fake slow motion.
0: They're finally beaching each other off.
1: Yeah, beaching each other off. Which that's a line that was in the trailer that was so much better in the movie. Yeah,
0: it was better in the movie. It was. I think it was also better in the movie because it like it's a joke that requires the right number of beats. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, it, It requires the right number of beats, and in the trailer, it didn't quite hit it. And in the movie, the callback right. especially made it that much better. You right. know?
1: Exactly. For me, the the my favorite sequence in this movie is like the deprogramming heist. Oh my god. It's so after, funny. They have, after they've after they deprogrammed the first Barbie and they and they're like, oh, this is gonna work. And then they start, you know, going around and deprogramming other Barbies yeah. and distracting <laughs> all the kins, which leads to the plan to distract all of the kins to take back Barbie land. Yeah. I it's so funny, and it lets all of the actors Do some of the best work, I think, in the movie.
0: Yeah, I think it, it it really relies on a format that we know and love of like the montage moments. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some great like comedy in it, right? Like Alan trying to jump over the fence, Alan go around. Um, yeah. <laughs> it does, however, it is prompted by like a line in the movie that is like the last one for me that like I really have like big mm-hmm. thinky thoughts about. So you know, right before they move into this heist, America Ferrera goes on her long you know mm-hmm. monologue that is very much like Greta Gerwig has said is like a monologue that she wrote like that came out of a moment of frustration that is reflective of, uh, of something that she started mm-hmm. um, but she really felt like America Ferrera finished and, and I think that the monologue is good I think that there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the monologue um, there is this moment though where it breaks the spell on one of the other Barbies to finally deprogram her and what they say is By giving voice to the cognitive dissonance required to be a woman under the patriarchy, you've robbed it of its power.
1: And I I have a lot of feelings too. (laughs)
0: There are many. I have so many feelings about this. I think that in the framing of the movie, it is a fun way to explain what broke the spell. Mm -hmm. And. Acknowledging the cognitive di- di- cognitive dissonance does not do the work
1: <laughs> of right. robbing patriarchy of its power. If it did, like, liberal snark would work and would, right. like, change Correct. all Republicans' minds. Correct. Right? Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rhetoric won't, alone won't save us from the, like, physical harms of patriarchy. And I just, like... I get it in the context of the movie, but this is one where this this is, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about like, is this movie second wave feminism, third wave feminism, fourth wave feminism? Is it something outside of those situate like positioned outside of those in a different way? And I think that this is something that, for me, really clearly situates it as third-wave feminism, right? Like, mm-hmm. really says that our, our place where we are, the place where this movie lives, is that it says that the most powerful thing that we can do is acknowledge that we are living under cognitive dissonance and that we mm-hmm. can rob patriarchy of its power by acknowledging that we can be more than one thing at once. Mm -hmm. And if it really thought that, then it would have done more about gender in the movie. Like it would have been there. It would have not been as, Implicit that the Birkenstock is the truth choice from Kate McKinnon's clearly lesbian weird Barbie, right? Right. And it would have thought more about the fact that they said that the weird Barbie is the lesbian Barbie, thus implying that lesbians are weird, right? Like, it would have done more to interrogate itself if it actually thought this um, as a movie, so...
1: Yeah, I I fully agree. I do think that the America Ferreira monologue is so good. Yeah. And I think is cross-applicable in ways, like, across, like, all kinds of communities. uh, communities, I think it's maybe one of the most... I think it's a time where the movie kind of stumbles into intersectionality, Mm -hmm. right. Um, Without recognizing it, because those are feelings that I'm sure everyone feels, but I think specifically, you know, various minority groups feel um, in different ways. I think it is specifically written from the perspective of women, but the idea that we, you know, she says we twist ourselves in the knots, right? Like that idea of like trying to be 17 contradictory things to, fit the mold that society is looking for and the frustration that it eventually brings yeah. is something I really feel. I said on a on an earlier episode that like one of the ways that I express queerness is through the kink community, right? Mm-hmm. And that perspective comes from specifically this pressure, right? That I think we all grew up with, but I specifically grew up with in my particular environment to repress sexuality Mm -hmm. right to not talk about those things in in public places and I've gotten to the point in my life where like my reaction to that is to do my best to to protect myself in ways that like let me keep living right but besides that be like no fuck it I am in this way liberated and I'm going to acknowledge that this is a part of my life that sexuality is important to me and that's all to say that like, I understand the frustration that Gloria, we keep saying America yeah, sorry. Her name's Gloria. Her name's Gloria. The frustration that Gloria is laying out, like that's the way that it takes shape for me. Um, in my personal experience as like a cis gay man, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's really stellar. And uh, I think had the movie not had that, a lot of other pieces wouldn't have come together.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, I think that like the thing for me, right, is where it misses is it lays the site of this like tension, the site of this harm on gender, on womanness, mm-hmm. on patriarchy, right? Yep. And it misses that where it actually, what it actually hinges on is like, Heteropatriarchal cisgender right. hegemony, right? Like, right. That, that actually hinges on also capitalism, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is actually really capitalism and the ways that capitalism must be maintain- maintained and white supremacy and capitalism must be maintained for these things to have to be true, right? right? And that the pressures that we experience, those things that say that the parts of us that are not conforming, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we are gender non-conforming, when our sexuality is non-conforming, right? That that non-conformity, the site of that non-conformity is in patriarchy, not in in capitalism and so that that's like also a miss for me right like yeah. that that not thinking about the entire hegemonic form
1: yeah um i do wish the movie yeah. had 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 recognized the things and had spoken at the very least spoken to the individual <laughs> community groups right yeah like like you don't have to go to like i'm gonna make a movie like sanctioned by mattel that says capitalism is bad and is right. the root of all all of these problems i get that that's not a thing but at least you can say that like there is some amorphous system that we're not going to name that, you know, leads to patriarchy, which also leads to the othering of non-white people and the othering yeah. of people with uh, genders that don't conform and, and the othering of uh, people with sexualities that don't conform.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it like tries to do these things in some subtle way ways right yeah. all of the men in the boardroom are white men right all of the right. people in the boardroom are white men there's not gender diversity or sex, like there's not like visible diversity among the people who are in the boardroom but I also think that like there's a line in the movie where after Ken has taken over Barbie dreamland right they're like what does it matter the toys are selling Right, like, yeah. like they're like it doesn't matter. Like we're still making sales, and Will Ferrell's character is like, no, Barbie is like, f- you know, key to humanity. Mm-hmm. Like we created Barbie for women everywhere, and like that's where it failed. Like, like right. actually, right, like it doesn't matter. That person is right, Mattel doesn't care if it's Ken dolls or Barbie dolls that are selling. It cares about selling toys, right? Right. And, like, it cared about what this movie had to say because if it said something too critical about Barbie as a concept, about the way that Barbie influences the world and is influenced by the world, then... It might not sell as many toys, right? And like right. that's why my theory about which scene the Mattel CEO had to specifically approve himself was the the scenes with Ruth, the scenes with mm. the creator of Barbie, or the person who's positioned mm-hmm. as the creator of Barbie, and most specifically the reference to like the IRS um, right. and like the tax fraud. Because I think that those are the things that are. Actually, the company is interested in protecting its brand around and its branding around because the rest of the movie is intended to be, you can watch this and make up your own mind. The movie Mm -hmm. is intended for people to be able to walk away from it with different perspectives. It has a perspective. It is telling you a story, but it is doing so in a way where people like you and me who are critical of it can enjoy it, right? This is what they Mm -hmm. said. This is what Greta Gerwig said about the movie before it came out. If you love Barbie, you hate Barbie. Barbie,
1: (laughs) this is a movie for you.
0: If you hate Barbie, this is a movie for you. Right. And the most important thing in terms of brand integrity for Mattel is how do we keep selling toys?
1: Yeah. I think that goes right into this quote. You shared a New Yorker article called why Barbie must be punished (sighs) mothers, daughters, and an icon's existential crisis. And I read it and was floored by it. Um, it's written by Leslie Jameson. Um, and I pulled this quote from it. Um, this is the fantasy of an artist or an analyst. This faith that giving voice to something will rob it of its power and it gestures implicitly toward the larger aspirations of the film itself. That a corporate sponsored film about Barbie could repair the damage she's done by describing it. The brand equivalent of a carbon neutral flight which I read and laughed (laughs) the first time. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Barbie is brilliantly imagined and endlessly delightful but its social critiques are neither original nor disruptive. They ratify articles of shared liberal understanding so that the film can get on with a business of redeeming its heroin giving us a Barbie we can stand behind yeah I think that speaks to a lot of things we've said in like yeah. the last 10 minutes right like that is much better written than we have said out loud. But uh, yes, I, I, that line where he's like, I do this for the, you know, the little girls, you know, um, that play with Barbies or like uh, my reaction to that was like, this movie really wants to try and critique capitalism without actually doing it.
0: Yeah. I really love the, uh, a couple paragraphs later, um, what she says about it is uh, Barbie gets to eat from the tree of knowledge and she gets to reconcile with her God. She does not have to choose. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really, I think that like, I, this piece is worth reading, and and I think it's really uh, like Matt said, a smart, um, like Matt said, like you said, I'm talking to you, <laughs> fuck, um, like you said, like a really um, a much more like analytical and like um, thought provoking or well written way of articulating some of these things. But I also think that to the point that it is like endlessly entertaining, to the point that it is compelling and delightful right like all of these things are true and it's just a good movie it's fun Mm -hmm. it's fun to watch it's well paced it doesn't really ever lag I mean I could feel myself getting distracted because I'd seen it before but nowhere near as much as like I was like fully like checking out at these points that I didn't like I'm I was still laughing at these lines a second time I think that Mm -hmm. like all of these things are true, and Greta Gerwig built an incredible movie. Mm. I mean, I, the same is true of like me, and I could do a whole other episode about my, my feelings about Greta Gerwig's Little Women, how it compares to the original Little Women. Which I've never one I've seen had. it.
1: Maybe we should. Oh,
0: no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't cry the podcast matt i can't cry on the podcast and if we talk about little women and lume alcott i will cry on the podcast because then we'll really have to fucking talk about gender and it will fuck everybody up okay all right so we're just going to say that you know gerwig's ability to build a movie that is thought-provoking and fun delightful to me and Mm thought-provoking like i think it's also Easy to think of anything that you see through the lens of, like, I am the audience for this, right? You Mm -hmm. are the audience in your mind. And the reality is, is that most people are not having conversations about gender in the way that I have them. Most people are not Mm -hmm. having conversations about capitalism in the way that I have them. And so, like, I love this forum because it's an opportunity to, like, introduce these kinds of ideas to you if maybe, you know, you (laughs) hadn't thought of these things or I hadn't thought of these things or if people who are listening who hadn't thought of these things. But I also, like, Think that this movie is a feat to making something that does have mass appeal in a superbly interesting way.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a completely left turn for you. I'm ready. It's my take that this movie kills stereotypical Barbie.
0: Oh, you think she's dead?
1: No, I don't think that like the character died. Oh, I mean that the concept of stereotypical Barbie oh, uh-huh. is abandoned. Yeah, by the world within the movie and maybe potentially by Mattel.
0: I think that's right. I think Mattel has been, I mean, Mattel has been trying to get away from the original branding of Barbie for decades at this point. Right the teacher barbie president barbie astronaut barbie right like the mm-hmm. whole thing about barbie is every girl and every girl is barbie you know or what is it because barbie can be anything women can be anything mm-hmm. right like has, is a like really subtle right reason that people say that Barbie is a feminist icon. It's because she had a job and it's because Mm -hmm. she had a lot of jobs. Right. So I think from the jump, right? Like what Mattel is interested in doing and killing stereotypical Barbie isn't like, isn't going after something new. It's returning Mm -hmm. to who Barbie was at the start in some ways. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Does the end of this movie work for you? It works for me. Like, she becomes human, but I also don't know why it works. Like, I left the movie the first time being like, that made me cry, and maybe it was just the Billie Eilish of it all. Yeah, the but Billie like, Eilish of it all is really fucking good. Yeah, but like, but why, right? Like, I didn't feel like any of the themes in the movie were leading up to Barbie's no longer a doll. Yeah. Right? And maybe I'm missing something. Like, in my, in my opinion, in my experience, that's out of nowhere, but... I, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel that coming. It worked when it got there, but I just didn't feel it like coming.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that I saw it coming either. And I don't I don't know that it works. I think that a lot of things work for me. I don't think that the last line works for me. Mm. I mean, what the last line suggests, right, the I'm here to see my gynecologist. Right. It suggests that going to the gynecologist is like the quintessential experience of being a woman. (laughs) Um, Right. Like it's the defining thing. And actually, I don't I don't love that. I don't. We can have a
1: lot of gender conversations about it. (laughs) I don't love that.
0: Right. We got to start at the. That's a little bit that's a little bit gender essentialist of you, mm-hmm. right? It's like a little we- you're not wrong that it is true that the vast majority of women do have this experience. <laughs> However, it's kind of right. weird, right? Like right. and like like it's weird from a from a movie where the perspective was otherwise like really intentionally centered around inclusivity. Mm -hmm. Right. Because of the way that that is like specifically exclusionary. Mm -hmm. And that's why it didn't land for me. But like it's also I don't think that that line was for me. Right. Is the other thing. Yeah. That line is
1: purely for laughs without thinking too hard about it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Her becoming real, you know, her moving into the real world, I think does work for me. And. Makes me sad, and I agree with you, right? Like the the idea is that stereotypical Barbie is no longer part of Barbie's Dreamland, and mm-hmm. I think that like if we were to read into it more too, right? Like, is Dreamland better for that, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is Barbie better for yeah. being in the real world and learning the real consequences of living life?
1: You know, yeah. yeah I when I watched it this time because I went in think the two th- the two ideas I had in my head when I put on the movie today was. I want to find out what the fuck is going on with Alan. God, we barely even talked about the Alan. thumbs up oh, bubble. Thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs <laughs> up. Um, and I want to figure out like, did this movie even hint that this was going to happen? And I think the best that it does is that Barbie and Ken follow separate journeys of self-discovery. Yeah, Barbie starts in that park, right, seeing those, seeing various people being, you know, living life and being human themselves, and ends with her becoming a human because she's understood these more complicated feelings. Ken's is a little bit more service level, but is also about ingesting new information based on real men and figuring out how to evolve, you know, his own masculinity.
0: Yeah. I think it's worth saying maybe her story, Barbie's story even begins before she is observing people. And, Mm seeing people in the world you know maybe it's begins when she starts having those mm-hmm. irrepressible thoughts of death right yeah. because what that means fundamentally right she's contemplating her own mortality and Wait. she chooses in theory right she chooses mortality she mm-hmm. chooses to live a life where she will age and presumably die
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that like It is interesting that the most, the moments of the most connection that you see her have, where she is. Aside from like the moment with Gloria when she first sees Gloria and her kid is like, "Are you fucking shining on with Barbie right now?" <laughs> um, which is so funny. But like yeah. are primarily with older women, with Ruth, with mm-hmm. the woman at the bus stop, right? Those are the moments where she is connecting with someone and seeing a future version of herself that she wants for herself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think that it's, it, I think that it is interesting that that's the choice that she makes with the context of like, those are the people that she connects with the
1: most. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the Barbie movie?
0: Um, yeah. I agree to be a Supreme court judge as long as I get to wear a robe. <laughs> um, oh, well, actually they're, they, they're not allowed on the Supreme court. That's too crazy. Right. I love that. It's a Like we can't
1: do that. Like we yeah, can't do crazy, that. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. No man on the
0: Supreme court, but,
1: yeah. um, and I think there's a Helen Mirren voiceover too that says they got to start somewhere or something.
0: Yeah, I actually let, let's let's give a. I, I want to do a minute for the voiceover and a minute for yeah. Alan because yeah. we have referenced Alan so many times, we haven't directly talked about him. A minute for the voiceover. I love I think, like I said, one of the things that I love about this movie is the way that it has like all of these little atmospheric moments that make it feel magical or off. Right. Mm -hmm. In the moment where the guy runs up behind Barbie on Malib, like on in California, like on Long Mm -hmm. Beach and smacks her ass. Right. And you see Mm -hmm. him coming, the spin and the turn. Right. So cinematic. One of the other is this just Absolutely absurdly well placed Helen Mirren voiceover when Barbie is having her meltdown and she's crying. And I, I, <laughs> so Barbie is crying and she's crying, and it's Margot Robbie, and they have her styled so she is as plain faced as is possible on like a movie camera. And as she's crying and she's like, "I'm ugly and yeah. everything's bad and just like I'm not beautiful. I've never been beautiful." And Helen Mirren's voice cuts in as like, "Note to the like movie directors in the future, if you mm-hmm. want to make this argument, Margot Robbie is like too pretty to make this yeah. argument." Basically, I don't remember exactly what she says. Note to filmmakers: Margot Robbie mm-hmm. is not the right person to cast to make this point. Yes,
2: yeah, <laughs> it's
0: so. Funny, it's mm-hmm. so that's so funny because mm-hmm. that's I think that is a moment where it's like yeah that's what everybody's thinking. Everybody, she's like, I'm so ugly, and it's like Margot mm-hmm. Robbie, you're not, yeah. <laughs> you're a pretty crier actually, and it hurts my mm-hmm. feelings. Um, it's funny
1: when I was searching for that. The reason I couldn't find it is because I searched note and apparently I spelled it not because I was typing so fast. <laughs> so I was laughing. <laughs>
0: OK, so that's a moment, a minute yeah. for the narrator um, and the voiceover, a minute for Alan. <laughs>
1: uh, so Alan, to me, uh, I, I asked the question, what the fuck is going on with Alan? And I think what the fuck is going on with Alan is that he's mostly played for jokes. Yeah. The the moment you mentioned earlier where they're like doing the heist and he's like trying to like go over the fence and they're like, go around, Alan. Yeah. Great moment. Also, the moment where he's in the back of the car. Yeah. uh, And like pops up and they repeat the same thing that happened with uh, uh, Ryan Gosling's Ken at the beginning of the movie. It's full of
0: second beats. It's full of second beats.
1: Very good. Um, And also the fact that he just like fucking wails on those dudes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) to say I actually think that the thing that makes the comedy of him like not being able to successfully jump over the fence is that he absolutely walloped a bunch (laughs) of other Ken's to the point where it's like you want to go and they like all (laughs) run away and then they just turn the car around
1: yeah, it's the only time he's, like, painted as, like, stereotypically masculine yeah. as well is that yeah. scene. And, again, played I for th- laughs.
0: I think it's so funny because that does not read as stereotypically masculine to me. It reads like he's fucking crazy. Like, he's just yeah. feral as fuck. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fair. I, I think I was just, like, so, I was, like, watching it this time. I was like, oh, they really don't have much to say. Like, it's, yeah. ju- like it's just gay jokes all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, none of it's hurtful. Right, no. but I was like looking for a little bit more yeah. know, from this movie. <laughs> and
0: I mean, I think that like it is it is worth saying like Michael Sarah's delivery as Alan is impeccable. Yeah. It's it is played for laughs and it is funny. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's very funny. I do yes. think that like it, it it doesn't do enough. Like I mm-hmm. wish that they they the whole thing. The whole joke is. He's Ken's buddy. All of Ken's clothes fit him, and not once did they put Alan in Ken's clothes. Exactly,
1: <laughs> and also like he gets mistaken for Ken when they're like walking up to the like weird Barbie house or whatever. I was like, that could have been the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that like that that is. I love I love Alan in this movie, and you know, justice for Alan, justice for <laughs> the jokes that could have happened. Yeah. Um, and I do also feel the same way about. Magic Earring Ken and Sugar Daddy Ken, you know that those are real Barbies, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I just okay, assumed okay. that just... everything
1: in this movie was real.
0: So I mean, I think that like the thing is that between Alan, Magic Earring Ken, Sugar Daddy Ken, Weird Barbie, you know. There are some weird moments in terms of heterosexuality and Mm -hmm. heterosexual narratives in the movie. Like, for a movie that does so much about feminism and so much about escaping gender norms, Mm -hmm. it does very little to actually give good critique about escaping heterosexuality right Mm -hmm. it has gay characters it has presumably queer subtextually characters um Mm -hmm. as implied by the way that they speak interact with other people Mm -hmm. but it's never explicit and to your point it's always played for laughs and that means that it falls short as a film that's trying to do gender critique because if your gender critique is only that cisgender women and cisgender men deserve more power and connection in society, then that's not.
1: Yeah. I want to throw. That's uh, not Midge anything in there too. Sure. Midge Midge, is, yeah. It, and that's not like gender and sexuality. That's just like pregnant women. Right. Um, I mean, and, Midge is a really
0: fucked up and weird doll. I got to say it's a weird doll so
1: weird, but I feel like they could have done the same jokes without making it look like, Oh, this lumpy looking Barbie is, you know, the the weird one. Yeah. And especially with like, when we're talking about uh, ability, the there's a Barbie in a wheelchair at one point that feels like it's like purely there's tokenism. Yeah. Uh, I mean, much like a lot of the other Barbies, frankly, Uh, I, in my head was just comparing that Barbie who gets to be a part of things. Right. with midge and who's you know constantly pregnant despite like the truth of the weirdness of the doll itself and i don't know i i was just watching i was like why do these two people get to like have different experiences in barbie land
0: yeah i mean yeah the the growing up skipper doll the 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 Mm -hmm. other dolls that are like the weird dolls right i think like
1: growing up skipper and the tv barbie actually get really good like hey we're going to joke about the gag not yeah. like the the barbie yeah. the yeah. person you know
0: yeah and so i don't know i i think that all of that is just would it be too hopeful to want too much from the movie for it to do all <laughs> of these things at once right yeah um what does it even look like what would it even look like if it was try if it could do any of those things mm-hmm would it have been able to be the Barbie movie or would it have had to be life-size doll movie? Whatever. Yeah. Tyra Banks. I was going to say
1: Tyra Banks. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I feel like we have to do that movie now. (laughs)
0: Life size is so weird. Life size is maybe weirder.
1: It's. I think it's also weird that uh, that and America's Next Top Model are like my two Tyra Banks things <laughs> in my life.
0: I I just am shocked. What what other Tyra Banks things are there?
1: She had a TV show. She well, had like the a Tyra talk show. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. The
0: Tyra show. Okay, I didn't
1: really see any of it. Okay, it's okay, just not okay. like a touch point that's, I have. It's size yeah, life size and ATM yeah. specifically season like twenty. Yeah, double X two O baby.
0: This makes sense to me. <laughs> this makes sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, I think that those are those are pretty much all of my thoughts about Barbie as a movie I think like as I've said, yeah, kind of like in summary Mm -hmm. a couple times, right? Like this movie made me feel things It made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me frustrated with his politics. And for me That's the experience of going to the movies, Mm -hmm. right? That's my experience watching so many films and at the end of the day, this is a movie where when I take all of that away, when I do the mm-hmm. let's let me shut my brain off when I'm thinking too critically about it and think about this movie, this movie was made for, if not for me today, this made this movie was made for a person that I used to be. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it connects with me and it made me feel good. it made me feel sad. It made me feel hopeful that, like, there was maybe a starting point in conversation with people in my life who I might want to talk more deeply about some of the issues that are, like, touched on even as jokes Mm -hmm. in the movie, right? Like, that there are opportunities for us to expand our knowledge together and also just to, like, laugh and have sentimental moments, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even in that New Yorker piece, right, part of what she says is that, like, Barbies are so ubiquitous. They are so much a part of our culture. They are so much a part of our families that they are also fundamentally about motherhood and girlhood and growing up and parenting and not parenting. And like all of the choices that we make in our lives are connected to Barbie in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know. I just, I really, I really liked the movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, when I, when I, I, I agree, when I watch this movie with the, like, critical side of my brain turned off, it is a blast, yeah. right? I can never fully turn that off. I'm always yeah, going to be no. me. Um, <laughs> but when I do my best, I have a great time. And even today, I was like, this, I'm, I'm taking notes because I want to be able to talk about it. But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I've shared all the moments that really yeah. worked for me, but And also like there's parts of it that like, and again, I've already shared these, but like they, that emotionally work for me that work on like a really deeply human level too. So it's not just lighthearted, you know, service level fun. There are things that really matter to me in this movie as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if we're, if we're really drilling down on it and we're saying, what's the thing that I'll not never stop thinking about, I'll never stop thinking about P panic. I, I'm scared, N, nauseous, K, death. death. Um, that will be in my brain forever.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good place to end the conversation. Um, before we sign off today... Uh want to let y'all know we are going to be taking a little bit of a break wow. um for the month of December. I actually believe that you're going to be getting this in December. yeah, uh, because of the way that things work, but we will not be recording again until January. Yeah. Um so yeah, I hope that you all have a good holiday. Um AC, are you going to be in town for the holidays? No, no, no. I'm not traveling
0: <laughs> this year. Okay. Um but I I hope you have a great holiday. I hope it's uh, as good as it can be and full of all of the things that bring you joy and rest. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll see you in the new year.
1: In the meantime, where can people find you on the internet?
0: You can find me on the internet at acfacci.com. That's A-C-F-A-C-C-I dot All my stuff is linked there. Wow.
1: And you can find me and a bunch of my writing um, at matthorton.live. While I've got you here captive, I have my annual Games of the Year video coming out the first week of December. Woo! I'm trying to time it with the Game Awards that are on December 7th. It won't be the same day. Um, but it'll be around then. And I just actually I finished that edit up last night, and I'm really happy with it. So, Check out Matt's gonna, channel. Going to be posting shorts and TikToks of some games that didn't make the cut as well. Yeah. Um, so. You can find the show at can'tletitgo.gay. Yeah. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, thread, and TikTok at can't let it gay. Um, Thanks to The Worst Garbage. Uh, you can find The Worst Garbage Podcast Network at theworstgarbage.online. That's also where you can find the link to the Discord. Come join come us. hang out with us in uh, Can't Let It Go, the channel in that Discord. And lastly, we want to shout out Scout for our art. Here, let's go find out if she has commissions open today. I need to remember to do this. Uh, humble Goat. Oh, commissions, commissions, commissions. Scout has commissions open. There are three slots. So Wahoo. if you want her to make you some art, you can go to ko-fi.com humblegoat and pay her to make you some art. A lot of people in the TWG Discord have avatars that are drawn by Scout that, yeah. uh, that we call scavatars. Oh. I have never done it because I really like my avatar, but I at <laughs> some point I just need to like go ahead and do it because one she deserves to be paid and also two she makes really good stuff
0: (laughs) this reminds me that while i hate ai filters i did really think about doing the pixar one of uh, Mm -hmm. pictures of you and me before um, we met today just to see what, uh, uh, our version of that would be. But I also object to generative AI on moral grounds. So I didn't yeah. do that.
1: Fair. <laughs> Shout out also to my friend, Ethan at pragmatism on Twitter for our music. Um, and we'll see you in the new year with. You know what? We'll figure it out between now and then.
0: Hey, at the very (laughs) least, I am going to talk about the book that I literally never shut up about so much that many of my friends have read it now. And that book is Infomocracy. So um, we'll definitely be talking about Infomocracy. We'll probably be talking about generative AI. We'll probably be talking about any other number of things that we can't stop thinking about because Matt and I have too many thinky thinky thoughts in our brain. And hey, we'll see you after the holiday. Yeah, talk to y'all then.
2: Bye. (laughs) the worst garbage